welcome to Reality Tea Times 2, the podcast where we discuss all the trash reality TV we love to hate. I'm Tanika, and today we're going to be discussing, as promised, a full recap of the last part of the Total All Part 3. So, there was a lot that happened with this Tell All, and I didn't want to dip you guys. So, you know, I wanted to make sure that I was actually covering everything. So, here it is. So again, as discussed, and I believe you were getting the family Chantel before this one. So as discussed, um, we're not going to be doing anything on top of the episode. No memes, no gauze, no announcements, nothing like that. But you can expect that on the first episode in the new year for the 90 day OG episode. We will be discussing all new things on that episode. So let's get into the episode. Toe season, I don't even know, season five episode. I don't even know either, <laughs> but it's tell all part three. So we leave off where Holly is, um, walking off as we saw in part two. And Kenny goes after her, the amazing man that he is. And because that happens anyways, we're going to take a break now. And Kenny feels for her and says, you know, you both need emotional support. But he isn't giving that to you. But here's the thing. I'm going to say this. And we kind of see Holly kind of say this a little in a little bit to Wayne. I don't think she's giving him emotional support either. I think when it comes to a marriage, you got to give it to each other. It's not just one having to bear the other's emotional needs. There are times, yes, where maybe you need to take the brunt of, not the brunt, that's the wrong word to use, but you got to take the, the more strong quote unquote side and be that person's strength, maybe a little more than they can be yours. But I feel, uh, let me say something about Holly. I think she's, I don't, I'm trying to be cautious of what I say because I know she's dealing with ADHD. I understand that. And that can just alter how you think, how you speak, all of that. I get it. But I think the issue, the biggest issue with her isn't so much her ADHD, but it's she needs to constantly be coddled. She's coddled by her mother. She's probably coddled by friends if she has any. She's probably coddled by siblings if she has any. She's probably been expecting past husbands to coddle her. And now she's expecting Wayne to coddle her. But that's, that's a lot when you, you know, you're still your own person. You still have your own needs. And she's not, I bet, listening to his needs. That's how I, that's how I feel 
But not to say that, you know, he wasn't being a dick in the moment. 100% he was being a dick in the moment. There's a time and there's a place to act like a dick and to not support your wife. Maybe in front of complete strangers isn't the time. I'm just saying. But anyways, um, so he says, you know, maybe you need to take some, I think actually that's maybe what I said. You need to take some baggage off of him, question mark. But yeah, anyways, we, um, so then we kind of come away from Holly and, and Kenny for a second and we're kind of gone back to who I'm now calling the Four Stooges and give their kind of opinion on the whole thing. I don't even remember what they said. I don't really care. There's, I'm really and truly, I, I think, I really truly think that 90 Day is trying to make Fetch happen and it's not going to happen. Stop with the random 90 dayers coming in and giving their commentary. Stop with the audience that didn't contribute anything. Stop with the bullshit. Can we just have a normal tell-all? And that's it. <laughs> we don't need... See, the thing is why I love like the single life tell-alls. Now that makes sense when you're bringing in the exes. Oh boy. Oh boy. I can't wait for the tell-all because let me tell you, Pedro is going to be there and Pedro is going to go off anywhere. Anyways, besides that, like that makes sense to me with the, the show that it is, but we don't need these crazy, these weirdo comments coming out. They didn't contribute shit. I mean, some of them did, like Kalani did, um, Tim, you know, kind of gave more commentary because he's done that before with Kenny. And to an extent, Tanya did as well. Andre just created more trouble because he is who he is. We'll get to that. But it's just, I don't, they, they weren't needed. They really were not needed. So, um, Kenny says, you know, I think he is weaker than he says. I think that's fair. I think it's 100% fair. Then, you know, Kenny just hugs her. He just hugs her, gives her some support, and she says, you smell good. <laughs> he laughs, which I thought was funny, because I'm just like, girl. <laughs> I bet he does smell really good. Anyways. um, Tim says, you know, I think they love each other, but they're just not compatible. No shit. I don't think that, that's one thing I will say here, that was pretty astute observation. No, they're not compatible. Really, truly, half of these people who are on this stage are not compatible with each other. Naming one person who's compatible in this fucking season. One. I just want one. Because I can't think of anyone who's actually fucking compatible with each other. None of them are compatible. Uh, anyways. So, then she calls Wayne and suddenly starts crying. Like, instantly. She's like, I don't know why you're crying. Then stop crying. Because I've, I don't, I, I don't think Holly is smart enough. 
really. But to me in the moment, it feels like, how do you go from not crying to the minute he answers the phone, you start crying? I feel like you're trying to manipulate him into feeling bad for you, which is like kind of weird. I don't know if I can give her that credit, but like it just felt very weird how one minute she was crying or one minute she wasn't crying, the next minute she just was like bawling. I'm like, what the fuck? Like it was, it was really weird. Anyway. So she's like, you know, I don't know why I'm crying. You know, I'm so emotional all the time. You know, I'm, I'm a lot. I, I know I'm a lot. And, um, he does say, you know, it's, it is a lot, but, but she tells him, I want to move back. I want to be with you. Do you want to be with me? And he says, you know, well, we got a lot of things to work on, but you're my soulmate. Anyways, we need to communicate more. And, um, yeah, like maybe not ignoring her for three weeks is a good start. And that's the other thing that I'm going to say, like, I'm pretty sure I said this before, but here's the thing I'm going to say. Is she a lot? Yeah, sure. I I couldn't. But sir, she is your wife. You decided to marry her knowing she was a lot. You proposed to her and she ran away. (laughs) You knew she's a lot. Okay. You knew this. Sorry. You went into this knowing she's a lot. So you don't get to ignore your wife because she's a lot. That's what you, you signed up for. You signed up to deal with a lot. So don't be, don't, don't, don't backtrack now and act like you can't handle her. It's bullshit. So I will say that. Anyway, so after she hangs up the phone, producer says, like, are you serious? Do you really want to go back to South Africa? And she says, no, I, I really do. I really want to go back. No, she doesn't. Because hold on to that. Let's continue. So we're back on set and Tim and Kenny come in holding hands and he's like, Tim's my side bitch. Um, I love, I love them. I love them. I love their friendship. So, we're kind of done with Holly and Wayne now. She says they're fine, and he says, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, but, you know, it's all good. Great. We wish them all the best. Moving on. So, let's go back to Sarper and Shekinah. Fuck's sakes. Um... So we're like, you know, yeah, her family couldn't be here, but there is at least one person who decides that he wants to be here. And that is her friend and her ex, Dan. And she's like, what? wait, what? He's, he's on my ex. What the fuck? <laughs> Listen, we, there was no surprise that yes, they did date a few times, but I had to agree with her here. It's like, it's because we dated a few times. Doesn't mean you're my ex. It just means that we went on a couple of dates and it didn't work out. Like, what the fuck? Anyways, this guy was... All of this felt fake. All of it felt fake. 
I felt like it was so fucking weird. Anyway, let's continue. I mean, we, I knew Dan was going to be here. I said it from the beginning. We'll see you at the towel, sir. But like, it was just weird. Anyways. So, um, yeah, so they went on three to four dates. And Tim asks, like, did you fuck? <laughs> and she says, no, they did not. But Dan says, well, that's not exactly 100% true, but okay. What? Okay. Okay. Because here's the thing. He first said, did you fuck? But the second thing he, well, technically it wasn't him who said it. It was Andre. Andre says, did you guys have sexual contact? She says, no. He says, that's not 100% true. So here's what I'm going to say. Maybe they didn't have sex. Maybe they didn't. But I 100% think something happened, whether it was making out. Like, I don't think, I think it was all over the clothes type situation for the most part. I don't think they did anything crazy, but something happened for sure. I believe Dan. I don't believe Shekinah. And here's why I don't believe Shekinah. Get rid of Sarper and see here for answer changes. She's not going to say she did or she didn't in front of him because he seems to have a fucking problem that this woman has had a sex life before she was with him. Yet here's a fucking guy who, we'll get to it, has had sex with at least 2,500 women. We'll get to it. But it's okay for you to talk about your shit, but it's not okay for her to talk about her shit. Misogyny at its finest. Listen, ladies, get you a man who can talk about your sex life and his. <laughs> like, they, like, you know what I mean? It's okay. We all have a past before you're with this person. She had a whole ass marriage, I believe. I think she was married to the father. I can't remember. But she had a marriage. She had at least one kid, maybe two. We don't really know. She had a life before him. And she wants to, he wants to pretend like she didn't. This woman in her 40s just miraculously came in front of your face. A virgin? Ew. He's, uh, my God. Even Nicola handled shit better than this fucking guy. And he's a virgin. <laughs> it's uh, uh. It's, he drives me nuts, but that's why she didn't, um, agree with what was being said because of Starper. I hate him. I don't hate him. He's funny to watch, but I, I hate, I hate their relationship and I hate that she's trying to make it seem like it's perfect. It's not perfect. You're in a toxic, abusive relationship. Well, anyways, um, so, so yeah, he says that. And, you know, Dan thinks that he is a better match for Shekinah than Sarper. That's not surprising. He's been saying that before she left to go to Turkey. Um, and then he holds up this sign. This is for me when it started to feel even weird. Because I'm like, you prepared this fucking sign? You fucking weirdo. Like, listen, I'm not saying she should be with Dan, but I'm not saying she should, like, or sorry, let me rephrase. I'm not saying she should be with Sarper over Dan, but I don't think she needs to be with 
Dan either. She's with someone completely different. Like, both these guys are fucking weird. For their own reasons. But yeah, he holds up this sign. And the sign basically says, Give Dan the man a chance? What the fuck, yo? What the fuck? I'm like, are are are, are you okay? Give Dan the man. <laughs> oh my god. And no. And there's your 15 minutes, sir. Sizzling down. Just down, just down, just gone. Poof. What the fuck? Anyways. Um Sarber feels uneasy about Dan being here. Well, that's okay. Because guess what? That's how she feels about your collection, sir. We'll get to it. I don't give a shit that you feel uneasy. Feel uneasy. I like a man that feels a little uncomfortable. Gives me joy. Anyways. So, he feels something in his stomach, he says. And then she says, I do too. I feel something in my stomach too that she just feels... And I can understand her, maybe, you know, whatever. And then Dan, this is again where it felt very weird for me, says, because of me? And he's like, are you fucking serious? I had to agree. Are you okay, sir? She's not with you. This, this is why. This is why she's not with you. You're too much. You're laying it on fucking thick. You're a good looking guy, but you're laying it on too damn thick. Good looking guy. To me, sorry. When I see men like this who are clingy like this, it makes me think of, what does it make me think of? Y'all know that movie with Jennifer Lopez where she sleeps with a younger guy and he turns out to be her student. I can't remember the name of the movie. Gives me those vibes. He is going to try to kill you and your family, but ultimately kills your best friend. <laughs> Anyways, he disappeared. The moral of the story is weird. Um, so Dan does say, you know, I do think Sarper is controlling. No shit. Thank you. We've established that. Um, and that he, um, he doesn't see like all of her good things. Like he, you know, he doesn't see her for who she is, basically. I guess that's what he's trying to say. But Sarver says, I do. I do, brother. I know her better than you do. Now that's true. That's true. That's fair. He probably does know her better than Dan does. But I still don't even know if he knows her. <laughs> I don't, I feel like these two people are together because the sex is good. And that's okay. That's fine. It's okay for the sex to be good and that to be, you know, a motivator to some extent. But there's at some point, it needs to be more than that. To me, there needs to be more than that. Life is too goddamn short for it to be just about the sex. Dan then says he is just trying to create a Barbie. And then Sarper says the, <sighs> the fucking ultimate uncomfortable comment of the night. <laughs> this was for me, and I'll explain why. Sarper says... She is my Barbie, and I am her Ken. Okay, 
gather round, children. I'm going to tell you a story from a Canadian. You might know where I'm headed. You might not. But let's gather around and let's tell a little story of how fucking wrong this comment was. Once upon a time, there was a man. His name was Paul Bernardo. Okay. He started off his reign of terror as what we call the Scarborough Reapers. Now, for those who've listened to the story and know the story, you might hear Americans say Scarborough, it's Scarborough. Scarborough Rapist. That's how he started off, okay? Then he met this woman who was going to be the love of his life? Question mark. Her name was Carla Omoka. Carla and Paul live a great life and they get married. But before that happened, they killed her sister. And then they moved to a place called St. Catherine's, Rabbi Niagara, and kidnap two other young girls and kill them. They were dubbed the Ken and Barbie killers because they really did look like Ken and Barbie. Now, Carla doesn't look like a Barbie anymore. No, she doesn't. Anyway, what does Paul look like? I don't know, nor do I care. He's still in prison where he belongs, where he hopefully will stay. Because our system sucks. <laughs> he's been um, he's been able to be paroled for some time now. Um. Anyway, now that so when Sorper used the term Ken and Barbie in this way, it just made me feel really weird. Because it doesn't give me, like, now I haven't seen the Barbie movie yet. It is a plan of mine to do. But it didn't give me, like, the warm, fuzzy feeling of the Barbie movie. It gave me that, oh God, feeling of Paul Bernardo, Carl Homoka. So, can I just say, please don't do it like this. Don't, don't, don't phrase it this way, because it just instantly made me think, Oh, God. That's what it made me think of. Ugh. No. I mean, it's fucking clear he's trying to be plastic. He looks plastic. <laughs> God. Anyway. Um. Shekinah says that she loves to serve him. Okay. My boyfriend can attest. I- Obviously, I love to do things for my boyfriend. I will, you know, gladly take care of him if that's what he needs. But you're a grown-ass fucking man, okay? I don't need to serve you or cater to you all the fucking time. Once in a while, maybe I want to be catered to, you know what I mean? Or I would like you to just pick up after yourself and take care of your fucking self. You know, especially if you have kids. I know these two don't, and obviously will never have kids, according to her. But no, nothing gives me hives more than to act like a fucking servant to my to my man. And no. And then um 
Kalani asks, like, how would you feel if your daughter was in a relationship like this? This made me utterly upset, made me angry. She says, I'm happy. So I'm not being controlled. So I'm okay with her being in a relationship like this. This is my healthiest relationship. They keep saying that. And I'm just like, no, you are being controlled. You are in a controlling relationship. And here's my thing. You know it is a toxic relationship if you can't see that. If you're still thinking it is okay for your daughter to be in a relationship like this. I'm sorry. And I'm going to get to my theories. I'm not sure if I did in um, part two, but I'm going to say it here in, in a minute. But I'm sorry. If you cannot see the issue, you, ma'am, should not be a parent. I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm sorry. You should not be a parent. There's clearly something mentally going on with you. And you need to figure that out before you start giving advice or parenting your child. Now, I'm hoping she'll have some sort of foundation because you can best believe her father will never allow something like that. Thank God. I think he seems to be pretty right in his head for the most part and would not really take that shit if some man is controlling his child like that. But what I am going to say is I think her daughter is smart enough that she can see what's going wrong here and that her mother is in a similar type of relationship that she's probably been in before. She's just too fucking blind to see it. But here's what I'm also going to say. And I think I did say this, but I'm going to say it again. I feel like Shekinah needs to be in in an environment or in a relationship that is controlling. Let's not forget, she was raised in a controlling environment already. She was born to the Amish. I don't know if she was born to the Amish or her parents went Amish after she was born, I'm not sure. But she was primarily raised in the Amish community. Now, I'm not trying to shit on the Amish community. I'm sure there were some pros and there were some cons, whatever. That's the case in any situation. But it is a controlling environment. You have to dress a certain way. You have to act a certain way. You have to to do things a certain way, especially as a woman. And if you don't do things that way, you get excommunicated or you get, you know, shunned or whatever the case may be. It is a controlling environment, at least for women, more so than men. So I think that's what she's used to. It's funny because she said she wanted to break out of that because she wanted to be able to be free to dress how she wanted to dress, wear makeup and all that. It's interesting that she wanted to break out of that and she kind of, quote unquote, forced her parents to break out of it. But she then, in turn, ends up in these types of relationships where she is being controlled. Why would you want that? I don't understand why any woman especially a woman who's been raised in this type of environment or let's say even a woman who's been in a cult or anything like that. Why would you then want to be controlled? 
but at the same time, I get it because what else does she know? She doesn't know anything else. This is what she knows. And unless she's done the work to fix her mental or mental, I don't want to say mental health necessarily, but I think she clearly, I don't know, I'm going to say mental health to keep her mental health in the right place it needs to be in. Things are never really going to change. So, and honestly, she is in denial. She thinks everything is peachy keen and it's not. Holly says, but you know, they are happy. How is it toxic? Shut up, Holly. Sarper says, we, um, we have so much passion and that's cool for we have a lot of sex. I don't care. Sex is not the end of the all here. You know, oh my God, you know, if he wants to have sex and maybe she really doesn't, that she can't say no to him. This is so disgusting. This is toxic. But you know that for a fact. Like, ugh. Anyway, Dan says, well, I think she is blinded by the physical aspects. Yes, say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> and she's like, that's not true. Yes, it's true. Own it. Fuck's sakes. Anyway, so, um, Tanya asks, how does 2,500 women happen? And this first shit gets a little interesting. Um, <laughs> Tim's like, it doesn't. Oh, but it does. Um, so, did, uh, Matt Sharp Productions <laughs> did some calculations and he said, I'm pretty sure I was right. It would have to be three. 0.5 new women every day or some shit. So it's, it's like, you know, is that possible? He's like, I'm not proud of that. And I was like, yes, you are. And we're going to find out how proud you are of it. You're very fucking proud of it, sir. Let's move on. But anyways, so then we kind of start asking other people, do they have a high number? And Andre's like, well, compared to him, I'm a virgin. You know, Brandon's had sex with six people again. He's like 24. Like, duh. Actually, when I was 24, I had sex with more people. Anyways, <laughs> anyway, moving on. But yeah, it's like, you know, we kind of doing like, what's your number? What's your number? What's your number? Is it going to be what we're going to? And then they start asking, like, Shekinah, what's your number? And she says, it's, he doesn't want to know. What do you mean? Listen, it's not the first question that's asked, but I have never been in a relationship with a man, obviously, because I'm straight, but I've not been in a relationship with anyone who has not asked me what my body count is. Again, not the first question, but it does come up. I can't, like, just thinking about, obviously, the last 10 years I've been in committed relationships for the most part, last, let's say last, yeah, 10 or so years. So those two, my ex and my current, have asked me what my body count is. And I knew what theirs, I knew what my ex's was at the time. And I know what my man's is now. So it's just like, I don't understand. Like how, like, you know, but he doesn't want to know. Because 
it would ruin the perfect image that he has of her. That this was a woman who got plopped down to him, I guess, from the heavens, just ready for him, I guess. I don't fucking know. He doesn't want to know. And I find that so disgusting. He is dis- really and truly, he is disgusting. I don't understand how anyone would want to be with a man like him. And I'm not talking just about his body count. That's bad, but I'm not just talking about that. I'm just talking about how he goes about life. He's disgusting. He's no fucking prize he, at all. The man can't do a strip tease to save his life. Um, I mean, fuck's sakes, like, he's disgusting. Anyways, so, yeah, he says he doesn't want to know her number. He's like, don't tell her. Don't tell him. Whatever you do, don't say it. Never say it. Like, he's so ill. What's wrong with you? But she's like, I think he'd be surprised that, like, how low the number is. I would not be surprised either. I mean, I think she's probably dated a bit. But I don't know if necessarily she's had sex with every single person she's actually been on, like, a date with. I think she's... I don't know how many relationships she's been in. She's never said. But I wouldn't be surprised if, like, that's her number. How many, however, how many, like, number of relationships she's been in, I think that's her number. I think that's her number. Um, And I think he thinks, like, her number is, like, in the thousands, I guess, because his is. And it's like, no, sir, you're a fucking anomaly. You have done the impossible. Like, that's what you've done. Like, even my boyfriend, I said to him, like, well, there's this guy on any day who's had sex with 2,500 women. He's like, that's fucking insane. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you, you've done something that most men think about, but wouldn't even dream to actually do. You know, there are men out there who've had sex with hundreds for sure. My God, dude, you're up there. Anyways, so, um, he, yeah, so he even says, like, even if it's two, like, he, he just wouldn't be happy about it. It's, you're fucking, you're, oh, fuck this guy. Anyway, then we find out that he has a bottle collection. A bottle collection. Doesn't seem like a big deal, right? Well, until you find out that the bottle collection is actually because it has a memory with a woman that he's been involved with. So my guy is, he has fucking trophies of his conquests. This gets worse. Let's continue. So she has a really huge problem with the bottle collection. She doesn't like it. Um, Danielle asks like, how did you count the 2,500? Like, how do you keep track of that? <laughs> then says, you know, well, I'm a numbers freak. No shit. Again, again, putting it out there. For those who listen to Reality Gaze who don't, you're missing out. But they have made jokes on the fact that he counts everything. We realized, sir, that you were a numbers freak when you said you were counting her orgasms. And you counted like 12 or some shit. I can't remember what the number was. But like, I'm like, wait, you counted her orgasms? 
who counts their partner's orgasm while they're having sex. That's weird. Like, like to that extent. Now, here's what I'll say. Um, this is going to be going a little TMI, but I remember my ex doing that with me the first time we had sex. I was a long, long time ago. He did that with me. He was counting. And, but eventually, once he hit like, I don't know, five or some shit, he stopped counting. Cause like, I lost track. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, that I can kind of understand. But the fact that you continued counting <laughs> and you counted that number, it's like, first of all, hey, how do you know? I don't want to know how you know. But anyways, number two, how are you even in the right mind frame to, for me, my mind is gone, you know? Like, I don't, I don't get it. It's so weird. It's so weird. He's such a weirdo. But yeah, like, no shit, sir. We knew this. And um, he did you know, I made up a little OCD with with my counting again. Yeah. Yeah. I think you are. But then he says, you know, how I was counting. Well, you know what? I was hiding something from you. And you're like, what'd you do? What'd you do? Is it, did you see somebody else? Is it now 2,503? Like, well, guys, here's what happened. He says from 1998 to 2012, he recorded his body count in a book. He says, if I told you, you would have wanted me to destroy the book. Well, why wouldn't you just want to destroy the book? We'll get to it. Um, and uh, he shows us the book and has all these X's in the book. It's fucking creepy as fuck. And then... He, someone notices he has like colors associated with the X's and they ask about that. And he says, well, the colors was to indicate how pretty they were. What the fuck? This guy is fucking diabolical. I'm sorry. Let me continue. Let me finish getting through this and then I'll put my thoughts out there. So, um, he counted 1,459 women as of 2012. And that was nine years before he met Shekinah. Now, here's what I'm going to say. Number one, y'all asked the wrong questions. Why did you stop in 2012? What happened? What happened in 2012 that made you stop counting in the book? Because clearly you were still counting. He was still counting. But like, what made you stop counting in 2012 in the book? Did you run out of a notebook? Did you need to buy another notebook and you just didn't? Like, it's, um, it's, it's, um, it's weird. <laughs> There's that. Number two, this guy is, there's something wrong with him. I think he, I think if he was wired slightly differently, he would have been a serial killer. He has a fucking notebook with X's in them. 
of his conquests. He has trophies, which are bottles that he collects with women. If he was a serial killer, (laughs) he might have been recording names of his victims in the book. You know what I mean? That's a feeling I get with him. And it's weird, but as far as we know, he's not a serial killer. And he... Oh my god, it's so fucked up. There are notches in a, in like, instead of the notches on the headboard because his headboard was fucked up, he puts notches in the book. Instead. It's fucking disgusting. He's disgusting. And the fact that you wanted to keep that also just shows your psychopathy. Why not destroy that? Listen, listen. Now, my man's number is nowhere near, it's not even near 50. <laughs> But if it, even if he it wasn't that high a server and he had a notebook with like notches in it, I would fucking lose my mind. Because here's the thing too that makes it even grosser. Shekinah, you realize even though you weren't recorded in a book, you are a notch on his headboard. You're no different than everyone else. At least initially you were no different than anyone else. And that should be a realization. Even, I can't remember if it was this episode or another episode or the previous episode, but we see her realizing when I came over to take care of you because you were quote unquote sick, you had two other women here. How does that not make you want to just go inside of yourself? I don't understand. I don't get her. I, I don't get it. It's again, it's not the fact that he has the number because that's bad enough, but it's not the fact that he has the number is how he treats women and how he treats her. This man has never been in a relationship according to him, but he needs to learn how a relationship goes. And she's just letting him do what he wants to do. And you can mold him into what you want. Because he's never done this before. And you're just letting it happen. Anyway. It's ridiculous. I think she feels like she won something. Because he's never been in a relationship before. And I said, you haven't won shit. (laughs) Again. He's no prize. Um, so anyway, he doesn't see this as disrespectful, but it is because she says it is. She says, you know, for women to be an ex in your book, it's disgusting. It's disrespectful. Agreed. She says, you know, get rid of the bottles and get rid of the book. And, um, you know, I'm not coming back until you do. She'll go back before he does. Anyways. But that's it. That's it for them. Bye, Dan. Thanks for nothing. Bye. You know? Um, he's gone. So, anyway, then we talk about kids and kind of where they're at with the kids' conversation. And she says, I still don't want kids. I, I don't want them. And that's all right. But he is always ready, he says. It's just, we talked about this. Why are we talking about this again? You should not be ready because there's nothing to be ready for. He's like, okay, okay. 
He's like, is there any chance of that changing? No. Okay. It's fine. It's whatever she wants. But uh, they decide they're going to adopt a goat or something. Uh, who knows? But yeah, that's basically it for them. Let's talk about Brandon and Mary. So their child, Midnight, such a fuck, that fucking name. Um, this is why children shouldn't name children. Anyways, let's continue. The baby is one month old. Um, Mary had a very bad labor. It wasn't great. Um, she says that the baby had the umbilical cord wrapped around her neck, um, three times. She also had previa, which she describes as, um, which I, uh, facts. This is facts. Her placenta was low, um, lower than it should be. So there's that. She thought she was going to die. She thought she was going to die. But she's recovering. All's good. Um, she does say that, you know, the baby, you know, kind of looks like Brandon. And she also farts like Brandon. Great. <laughs> he apparently still plays his video games, but not as much. He admits that I can get you know, lost in it, lose time, and, you know, he also admits that he will get mad playing his video games, um, which is, you know, not unusual, I've definitely heard this before, um, but because he gets mad at the game, he will then sometimes get mad at Mary, if she were to, like, talk to him or interrupt him or something like that. It's not so much that he's mad at her, but he's mad at the game, but he is putting the anger out on her. And then, um, he says, you know, sometimes he might call her a scammer and that she's only happy when she has money. And then he says that he will sometimes call her a bitch. Sir, sir, if that were me and you called me a bitch because you're mad at your fucking video games, I'm taking your video game console smashing it. Problem solved. I'm so happy my man is not a gamer. <laughs> he loves sports. I can live with that. <laughs> but, Lord. Um, so they ask her, like, what do you do when he calls you these names? And she says, I just cry. And Andre, not this is a comment, but Andre's like, that's good. That's good. What's good that she's crying? I guess he was trying to say, like, it's good you don't engage because it could just make things worse. But I don't know if that's what he meant. But it's good that you're crying. It's good. It's good. <laughs> like, the fuck? Um, he says, like, I don't mean it. But sometimes, you know, he will say it to kind of make her mad because he wants her to fight back. What the fuck? Listen. I, this triggers, I triggered, um, but I had that happen to me, but in the beginning of a relationship, my current boyfriend did that to me in the beginning of a relationship, my ex did the same thing in the beginning of our relationship, got, wanted to make me mad on purpose to kind of see how I would react, see what they're getting themselves into kind of thing, um, I didn't like it because for me, I'm feeling it. I'm mad at you. 
but then you tell me that, oh, it's like, it's, it's, it's not nice. It's not a nice feeling. But for someone to do that in the middle of the relationship, because you want to start a fight, you're pessimistic. At the very least, you're pessimistic. Now, Kalani says, that's kind of narcissistic there, babe. Now, I don't know if I go as far as saying narcissistic, because I don't think it is. I don't think it's narcissistic by any means, but it's definitely pessimistic. Like, what's wrong with you? Why do you need to do that? And it's also toxic. Straight up, it's just toxic. Why would you want to create a fight for no fucking reason with your partner? Why wouldn't you want to live in a peaceful, as much as you can environment, especially now that you have a daughter? Why would you want to do that? fucking psycho. Anyways, um, then Shekinah says, so, you know, to, to Sarper, best is her favorite word. Which is your favorite word? <laughs> yeah. Uh, whore? Uh, slut? Mm, bitch? <laughs> ridiculous. Anyway, Angela's here, Brandon's mom. And Angela says, well, if the money was there, because she kind of, they do ask, like, why would you call her that? Because, like, a scammer and that. She says, you know, when the money was there, you know, she was good. If it wasn't, she would be upset. She would block him, say the relationship was over. That's some interesting Mary. Why would you do that? He apparently right now is asking his mom for money behind Mary's back because they're struggling obviously. They've been struggling before the baby got there. So he will ask, but they're saying, well, when the business is back up and running, you know, we're, we're going to be fine. And he doesn't think he'll be asking his mom for money going forward. Yes, you will. And Andre says it. He's like, yes, you will. He's like, babies are expensive. So you will be asking her. And guess what? Babies grow to toddlers, toddlers to just full-blown children children to a teenager teenager to adult yeah he will need money okay children are expensive so they kind of start talking about like how they are dealing with the expenses of this child um you know brandon says you know they got stuff you know they have like wipes diapers of that because what babies poop all the time and that shit's gonna run out they start talking about like this incident that happened between Mary and Brandon and Angelo is somewhat involved in that. And here's basically what happened. So, um, Angela says that she got a text from Mary about being afraid to tell him to turn the volume down, whether he's watching a movie or playing a game, I'm not sure, but he, she was afraid to tell him. Can I dissect this right off the bat? If you're afraid to talk to your partner, to do something as simple as turning the volume down, there's something seriously wrong. Something seriously wrong. You shouldn't be afraid to talk to your partner. He should be your safe place. He should be the person who you should not be afraid of. And he's going to protect you, make you feel safe. You know? Uh, anyway, so she says that she was afraid to tell him that. And I guess she ends up telling him and she's like, oh, he got mad. And he's outside. Angela then texts Brandon 
and says, like, what's going on? Like, why are you acting like a dick? <laughs> and he's like, I'm not mad. But Mary says that he did seem mad because he slammed the controller down. So here's what I'm going to say. Because Angela says, like, you know, I don't think maybe he wasn't mad. And Mary's just, like, saying he was because she doesn't know him or, you know, doesn't know his mannerisms that well because they're still very new being together physically. And here's what I'm going to say, Angela. He was mad. He was 100% mad at her. And I do believe he threw that controller down because he was mad at being told to turn it down. 100%. That is exactly what happened. And um, I also think that he told Angela, I'm not mad, so that he didn't have to A, be lectured and B, talk about it. That's, that's why he was 100% mad. I believe Mary in this moment. I believe her. He was mad. So that's what I think. But, um, and then she kind of says like, I think she's just defending her son. I don't think she quite understands what's going on. And then she kind of goes on to say, you know, he's yelling at me while I'm holding my baby. That's not okay. That's fucked up. This is how you know these two should have never had a child. We'll talk about that in a minute too. But then Angela kind of says, you know, that's not okay. They shouldn't be doing that. And she starts talking about them doing individual therapy again. And here's what I'm going to say. Like, I don't know if it's just not readily available to them. Also, they need to pay for it. They don't have fucking money to pay for it. As far as I'm concerned, the thousand dollars per episode that they get is going to have to go towards their expenses. It's going to have to go towards their child. I can't imagine them then taking that money and going to therapy. This is the problem. If you want them, and I 100% agree, they do need to go to therapy. But if you're so adamant of them going to therapy, individual therapy, you pay for it. You pay for them to go to individual therapy. It's not cheap. It's unfortunate because I feel like so many people need it. We all need it. Let's be real. But it's so hard because it's so expensive. It's just, I don't know how they pay for that. I really don't. Um, so Mary kind of starts talking about kind of maybe why she didn't do it. And I think this is very true. I think we all, I think us as, as either Canadians or Americans take for granted that mental health, we are definitely shining a light on mental health and, um, are trying to normalize therapy as being something that is okay to do. And I think that's amazing. That's what we need. But there are countries that are not doing that. There are countries who view therapy very differently than we do. And she explains that in the Philippines, if you go to therapy, people think you're crazy. 
They don't think you're going to therapy just because you need to regulate your emotions or get, you know, tips and tricks on how to regulate your emotions and regulate this kind of your mental health. They don't see it that way. They think you're fucking nuts and you, you know, you go to loony then. That's what they think. And that's unfortunate. But that's also where she's thinking. But you can't do this discreetly if you can, if possible, online therapy. But that's also, again, expensive, you know? Um, and, but, again, I think Kalani actually says, like, kind of going a little bit ahead here, but Kalani makes it very, very real here. Um, in Samoa, there's one therapist for the whole island of Samoa. One. It's not like the rest of the world or other countries where there's so much readily available to you when it comes to therapy. It's not the case. But yeah, she goes on to kind of say this. And she does also kind of say like she doesn't want to talk about her problems, which again, I think is also very cultural. Um, and TJ, forgot you were here, kind of puts his two cents into this and he says, as a person who is in an Asian country, um, you, we don't view therapy the same way. We do think you're crazy if you have to go to therapy. He's not saying he necessarily agrees with that, but he's trying to explain. And he says, you know, if you need to go to like a therapist, he uses a different term, but if you need to go to like a therapist, you are seen as being crazy and not necessarily just wanting to get help. So you don't feel quote unquote crazy. So he says, I understand that. This is kind of where Kalani chipes in and says, the um the fact that one therapist in Samoa is just not something that's normal everywhere. And then Angela says, like, what do you do then if you need to deal with your mental health? Everyone says nothing. You do nothing. And that's it's unfortunate. But that is that is the reality for some countries. You literally do nothing. But she does say, like, you know, I don't want to be judged. People think she's crazy, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, we do talk about that. And then Kim, for whatever fucking reason, says, well, you know, she says that trust is the big, the biggest issue. Maybe they need to just get deeper into their relationship. No, ma'am. I understand what you're trying to say. But no, ma'am. That's not it. That's not what they need. The thing is, is that <sighs> Lord, the thing is, is her trust issues don't stem from Brandon. Her trust issues stem from when her mother and her father abandoned her. That's where her trust issues, her trust issues stem in her abandonment issues. That's where her trust is lying. So her getting deeper in her relationship with Brandon is not going to fix anything. She needs, she needs the therapy. 
Um, so Kenny says, you know, I'm just going to say this as a parent, I would put out, she's like, I want to get involved because that's substantial. I just want to get involved in it. Um, and Tim says, you know, they are not ready to be parents too fucking late. They already are. And, um, do we think that they, I guess he wasn't really clear on who he was talking about, but I think he was kind of saying, do you think that they both decided to have a child so that the other wouldn't leave them trapping <laughs> each other? Um, sure. It's definitely a possibility, um, that that could have been it. Um, but we'll never really know. We're going to take a break here. We're going to cut Brandon and Mary through the middle here. Um, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to hop into the rest of Brandon and, and Mary. And we are back. So I know it's a weird place to stop, but we're back and let's finish this up. So, um, we're still with Brandon and Mary and they end up talking about the whole Wi-Fi situation, um, with her unplugging it and hanging up on him to go see her friends. She is, and we also talk about the text messages that were sent when he was on his way to the Philippines, if we remember those. And she feels bad about all of it. She says she hates herself. Now, that's a really strong thing to say, but I think it's also the, probably one of the realest things that she has said in this moment. And this kind of goes on to show how much help this girl really does need. Because I understand you feel bad. Bad is, is good in this situation. But saying you hate yourself, I don't know about that. It's not a good thing to, to think about when it comes to, yeah. Anyway, so Angela says that she is pissed about this. She then goes on to say, you know, my daughter hates her. Now, I think, okay, Angela saying she's pissed, understandable. Everything else that Angela says regarding the situation, not helpful. Not helpful at all. If your daughter hates her, that is your daughter's problem. Because at the end of the day, she doesn't have to like her by any means. She does not need to like Mary. But this is the mother of her niece. So, and her brother's wife. You no longer get to wonder why he doesn't like why he likes her, why he stays with her. You don't get to wonder those things anymore. It's, un- it's no longer your problem. Here's what I'll say. I'm not saying her feelings are invalid because Mary has done some egregious things or made him do things that makes absolutely no sense. But this little girl is still under the age of, I think she's like probably no more than 17, 18 at this point. She still has a lot of understanding to do. She hasn't lived her life fully yet. She still has a lot to, to realize. I don't get it either, but it no longer matters. And 
you know, let's pretend like I have someone who's in the similar situation who had this kind of relationship. I am going to worry about you and I want to make sure you're happy. But at the end of the day, there's nothing I can do about it. You're married, you have a child. There's nothing I can do about it anymore. Going forward, it's your decision. Now, unless there is physical or even verbal or even mental abuse, which we don't know exactly what she's saying, but from what she is saying, she's calmed down a lot. He's even saying she's calmed down a lot. If anything, the verbal abuse is coming from him, not her. So, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care if her daughter, if her daughter doesn't like it, doesn't like Mary. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant, honestly, for what, for the situation. Especially when this is something that happened, like, we're gonna say almost a year ago now. And they're long married, their, their daughter's here now. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but I, I understand, like, I'm trying to be understanding of the fact that the feelings are valid, but it's very childish for his sister to avoid Mary or, you know, not want to be in the room and certain things are happening or whatever. That's childish. That, that's what I'm trying to get at. It's childish. Um, anyway, Angela goes on to say that, um, you know, Mary is blocked. I guess her daughter blocked her. Well, guess what? As far as I'm concerned, then, if I was Mary, I would literally say, I'm blocked. You don't want to talk to me. That's okay. Then you don't get to see your niece. You just, I'm sorry. Maybe that's me. Maybe that's harsh. But that's one half of me. And if you don't even want to be cordial with me, at the very least, you don't get to see your niece. You just don't. Sorry. Maybe I'm mean, but that's, I come from a family of, you don't respect me, then you don't need to see my child. Yeah. Um, so she will say, how can he like that bitch? This is what Angela says. This is not helpful. Now, is Mary a little cuckoo moo? <laughs> yes. And definitely in the beginning, she definitely was. But I think we can all agree as to why she is the way she is. And that is because of the life she has led before she met Brandon. Now, is it fair to put that on to Brandon? No, it's not. But Mary is still so young that she hasn't lived, really and truly hasn't lived enough life or have enough of um, in her mind to say, I should not put my issues onto this current relationship because it's no longer fair to him. You know, we're all guilty of doing it to some degree. So I think like that needs to be understood really and truly. So to be calling her a bitch because of something that she did is not, it's counterproductive. It's one thing if she's like straight up a bitch and has no reason to act that way. But she, I don't want to say she wants to have, it has a reason because it's, but she does. 
hopefully, you know, fast forward a little bit. Hopefully she does get the help she needs. Um, can help give her a little bit of insight into why she is the way she is. Although I think she has that insight already and the tools that she can use to, you know, combat those, those issues. Um, so Mary says that I was that way because I was insecure with myself. Yeah, it's very true. So we do kind of start talking about, um, kind of moving off that topic. It's kind of sort of talking about, you know, Brandon potentially wanting to move back to the States. And, um, Mary made me wanting to visit, but not necessarily wanting to live in the States because of her grandma. Her grandma apparently is not doing well, and she wants to stay close to hers, which is understandable as well. But here's what I'm going to say. I don't know if this has always been the case, and that's why he moved to the Philippines. Like, I don't know how long this has been an issue for her grandmother, but if this wasn't an issue before, and it's more of an issue more recently... Why didn't you just move to the States before? And instead of, you know, coming to the Philippines, you know, if that was, it, it's interesting because you're going to go through a lot more now paperwork and stuff like that to get her there. You're going to have to, your daughter is Philippine, is born in the Philippines, Mary from the Philippines. You're going to have a lot more paperwork. Um, it, it won't be difficult, I think, to, I don't believe it will be for his daughter to get, like, if they were to get dual citizenship or anything like that, it won't be too difficult, I don't think. Um, but why didn't you say that from the beginning? Because he clearly was working, making decent money, if he was making like 60000 a year or so, making decent money. Why didn't you stay in the States? I feel like these two did things very backwards. But anyways, and so let us say that her growth has been amazing. Anyway, that's all. Goodbye, Angela. There's <laughs> something more we need to talk about. Um, so Angela leaves. We're still talking about what with Mary and Brandon and Sean and Sebastian. Like, you know, how is the uh, the jealousy situation with you guys? And you know, he says, you know, not really online that much, you know, she is, um, again, Shekinah. I have a lot I want to unpack with this statement that Shekinah makes, and I'm going to get to it. Um, Shekinah brings up some of Mary's videos, saying that they're a bit provocative, um, so, and she kind of I didn't write this down, but she kind of goes on to say too, like she's kind of shaking her ass and all of this. And Brandon says, like he he can see, um, you know, the double standard with everything. Then we see some of these videos. Damn, Mary. <laughs> Don't worry, I have a lot I'm going to unpack, but let's just finish this up. So, Shakina you know, you know, again, puts her two cents in. Mary saying, like, you know, he, you can do these things, but he can't, like, you know, 
And Mary kind of claps back and she, good for her. And she kind of, and this is why I say good for her and says, okay, but you know, Sarper controls you and he's okay with you wearing a dress like that, that shows off your boobs. It's true. It's true. So here's what I'm going to say before I go any further. I have a few things. Number one, everyone is kind of in the agreement of, which I understand and I agree with as well. It is a double standard for her to be shaking her ass in a provocative way to gain attention from clearly men and women who will be attracted to that. Yet, if Brandon were to do the same similar thing, it would be World War Three, four, five. Anyways, you know, it would it would not be great at all. So that's why that's why there is the issue. It's not so much that she's doing the videos. I don't have a problem with her doing the videos. And I feel like most people on that station have an issue with her doing the video. It's the fact that you have this double standard of he can do, but he can't. Okay. But here's what I'm also going to say on top of that, which I am kind of frustrated no one talked about, but they do talk about it a little later. So maybe technically this got talked about, just not in the moment. Shekinah, shut the fuck up. That's what I want to say. If I ever see this bitch on my screen again, I'm going to lose my mind. She is a bitch. It's one thing to put your two cents. Like, listen, we had like, oh, what was her name? Um, from B90. Um, shit, you're all screaming. What's her name? Um, the one who was in England and she had a thing for English girls. Oh, what was her name? Yeah, anyways, I can't remember her name. Um, but her, she had a lot of her two cents in, in this thing as well. We always have one who really puts their two cents into the show. Um, and all the different things like with her, she's talking like with Jasmine and all that. Like it was, that's a way where you still come out looking good, but you had your two cents into this, right? Shekinah is not that. Shekinah is a mean girl. That is the problem with her. She's putting her two cents in, but at the same time, she's being a bitch about it. And this is kind of what drove me insane with her, because I'm like, you have no leg to stand on. None. Because here you are with a person who can't, handle his toxic masculinity because yes ma'am he has toxic masculinity and you want to talk about mary and what she's doing shut the fuck up you don't have a leg to stand on and honestly i don't feel like she kind of brought this up to you know shed light on this you know double standard that's going on she brought it up to shame Mary because all she's been doing is shaming the women on the stage. You notice she doesn't do that with the men. Something is very wrong with her. I understand Sarper. I don't understand her. It's, it's just, I, anyway, it really pissed me off. It really did. Brandon does say, listen, she is growing her confidence. So he is 
and I quote, supportful. He is supportful of her doing her videos because, and I see what he's trying to say here is the thing like, listen, I'm okay with it. I don't give a shit what anyone else thinks on the stage. I'm okay with it because it is building her confidence and I want her to build up her confidence. So I'm okay with it. That's great. I love it. Supportful, sir. This is about the fifth time you have said a word incorrectly. I worry for his child. (laughs) Shit. It's supportive, not supportful. Then Sarper says, you know, I think Mary is a manipulator. Takes one to know one, doesn't it, Sarper? And here's the thing. I don't think Mary is a manipulator. I I do think Mary's controlling, but I think she's also trying to self-preserve. And we're going to get to this in a second, because I think we all need to have a... Uh, uh, definitions of what control freak and manipulator means. <laughs> so we'll get to it in a second when we kind of get to the whole Shekinah Andre Sarper thing. We'll get to it there. But Sarper, you don't, again, have a leg to stand on. Because you, sir, are, are a manipulator based on what the definition of manipulator is. We'll, we'll save it in a minute. So, um, Andre agrees with me and says, like, you, like, like, you know, and the thing is, I, I'm going to get to Andre in a minute, along with everything that kind of happens between him and the other two, um, because I haven't really talked much about Andre, have I? Um, we haven't had the opportunity yet, um, it's what my two cents in with Andre. I'll get to him in a minute. But he says this. So he says, like you, I guess somehow, some way, Sarper hears it and he says that, um, I am a control freak, not a manipulator. Okay. Like I said, we're going to get to it. Andre then goes on to say it's a toxic relationship. It's true. It is a toxic relationship. Whether or not you two are happy in it, it's still a toxic relationship. That doesn't change anything. Like, anyway, um, Sarper says, that's rich coming from you. I'm sorry, what? I guess this is where I'm going to talk. I'm going to bring it up because it's fitting, I guess, in this moment. Andre. Andre is, uh, I love him. I really do. There are moments where I want to wring his neck. But here's what I'm going to say about Andre. I think to some extent, Andre wants to have that kind of patriarchal role in his family. We have seen him say it, where he's like, I'm the head. But you also notice how he says that Libby is the neck. The neck moves the head where it needs to go. and then, But the head makes the final decision, correct? I don't believe Sarper and Shekinah have that type of relationship. I believe Sarper is the head and the neck, and he'll make, he'll put where he needs to go, and he'll make the decision. And Shekinah will follow along like a little fucking puppy. So, here's what I'll say. I fully 110% believe Andre loves and respects his wife. And he will go through hell and heaven to make sure 
she is fulfilled. Now where his toxic masculinity comes out is with her family. But I think a lot of us can agree that her family is too fucking involved. Now, there have maybe been moments where like Chuck needed to be a little more involved because, well, fuck, he was paying for their lives pretty much up until he finally got a job. Okay. But like her sisters, Charlie, the pottiest pothass, his wife, <laughs> um, that's a reality guys joke. For those people, they were too fucking involved in their lives. And even when Livy would finally put her foot down and say, enough, even enough or enough was needed, there was Andrea or the family. She put her foot down and she would say enough. The biggest thing for him was the family not respecting boundaries. Now, could he be a dick about it? 100%. 100%. 110%. But... That's where the issue comes in. So I ask you, Sarper, Shekinah, have you watched this fucking show before? Because if you come out of this thinking that Andre is the only issue in this, you have not been watching correctly. Because Andre is not the only problem in this. He is the loudest problem, but he is not the only problem when it comes to her family. Yeah. And he's been a dick to, to her too. But I don't worry about Libby. She stands her ground. Shekinah doesn't. But I don't worry about her either because I don't give a shit. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Sharper says that I am not manipulative because I am direct. That's not the definition of manipulation. <laughs> just because you're direct with it doesn't mean you're not a manipulator. It just means that you're even more of a dick. I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, what? I'm more direct. What the fuck does that even mean? Anyway. Um, then we, we go on like a tangent. Everyone is, you know, talking about how shitty Sarber is and how stupid she kind of is, basically. Everyone's just kind of going in on this. And eventually, um, Sean Okay, so before we go into Sean, I believe Sarper, it was Sarper who said this. I have a Sarper, she kind of, I think it was Sarper. says, our love is perfect. <laughs> Maybe perfect for you, but it's definitely not perfect. And again, no relationship is perfect. None. Every relationship has a crack. Even mine. You know what I mean? No relationship is perfect. You gotta do the work, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, so Sean is like, well, you know, we went left here. Let's remind everybody that we're talking about Brandon and Mary. <laughs> um, but anyways, we're done with Brandon and Mary. So I'm like, okay, Sean, what was the reason for that? <laughs> Did this all get cut? You know, anyways. Anyway, we're done with them. He was among the best, yay, moving on. Then Andre goes and talks to Shekinah because, you know, you called me toxic. Oh, Andre, oh my god. 
And he's like, how am I toxic? And Shekinah says, well, why do you, you know, like to challenge women? What are you talking about? Okay, let me continue. So she's like, you know, you're confusing me. Go sit down. Um, then we're going to finish this up and then I'm going to put my two cents into this too. And we're going to our definitions. So then she says he has toxic masculinity. Again, so does your man. But anyways, Kenny says, you know, it wasn't okay for Andre to go, um, and do that. Like go up to her, like you're a man, she's a woman, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, Kenny, I definitely understand where he's coming from with this. But what do you think Andre's going to do? Andre's not going to hurt her, hit her, any of those things. He's not going to do any of those things. If she kind of can't hold her own because she's been really dishing shit, then oh well. You know what I mean? She's been dishing a lot of shit at everybody on stage. And I'm sorry, but I... If my issue with him going up to her has nothing to do with whether or not she can handle herself. If you can't handle it, then don't dish it, you know? Um, so he knows. Okay. She, he, Kenny goes on to say like, he knows he's intimidating. Okay. So <laughs> again, I don't care. I, 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 I love Kenny. I don't care if he knows he's intimidating and if she kind of can handle herself. I don't care. I don't. Anyway, Andre kind of now won't talk about the whole thing. Okay, so now we're actually in the, um, behind the scenes now. So let me kind of say this. Andre going up to her to confront her on him being called toxic is, his way of like I don't know what his end goal was here if he was trying to say listen I may be an asshole with her family but I'm not an asshole with my wife and my kids you know I don't know if that was his end goal but him going up to her and it may all make no difference but I feel like it's his way of trying to be like change your mind, change your mind. And she's not going to, and she shouldn't have to. If that is her thought, then that's her thought, whatever. But to go back to Shekinah for a minute, when she says, why do you like to challenge women? I'm sorry, what? (laughs) When has he? Okay. I won't say he has challenged Libby to an extent that makes me feel uncomfortable. He's done some shitty things, but not not to a point where I feel uncomfortable for her. Because, again, I don't worry about her. She can hold her own. But then, is, he, is she talking about with his, her, her family? Because, again... Her sisters don't know when to shut up and back off. That's the problem here. Like, it's hard to say him challenge them when they won't shut the fuck up. And trust me when I say this. First of all, number one, 
Her mother deserves to be challenged. She's a bitch. Number two, if you don't know, go Google it. Number two, if anything, the person he has challenged the most out of this family to a really unhealthy place, but again, deserved it, was Charlie. That's the only person. We all remember the fight, right? And that's really the only person that I feel like, again, who is another man. <laughs> so I don't know what she's talking about. Again, I feel like you two haven't really watched their seasons. I really don't think you have. So, and that's okay if you haven't. Just don't like how you did. And so now we're back in, into the, the thing. And okay, so at this point, Andre was pissing me off because he wouldn't shut up about the whole thing because he kept talking about it. And Tim says, it's just his voice because you're kind of like, you know, whatever. And Tim's like, this is how he is. This is his voice. He's not going to hurt anybody. Thank you, Tim. Like, it's true. He's not going to hurt anybody. He's very boomy in his voice. But I really think Andre is not, is he, he's not in buff again. Like, honestly. And he only becomes the lie when he needs to. So, yeah, so Tim says that. And then Danielle goes in on Shekinah. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle. I've, oh my god. Danielle basically says to Shekinah, listen, you have been going in on everybody on this stage. And we've all taken it. Yet, you can't take responsibility for the things that you have said. Or things that are being said to you. Like, what the fuck? And Shekinah says, I have been. I have been taking responsibility. And I wrote, this is great. <laughs> and then Danielle says, give an example. You know, as to when you have taken responsibility. Like, give me an example. And she's like, I kept my composure. That's not an example. That's not an example. Danielle wants a hard ass example as to when you have taken responsibility for anything. And you haven't. So then Kalani says, I get you because I grew up Mormon. Which, you know, I guess you're trying to say there are obviously some similarities between the religion and living Amish. Um, in terms of, you know, things you can and cannot do. And she says, and then what I ended up doing is getting into a relationship with someone who wasn't good for me. Now I'm paying the price for it. And she has to get very emotional having the conversation. And she's trying to get through to Shekinah, because I was a little confused by this, but I did eventually understand. Well, she's trying to get through to Shekinah to understand that maybe you're with this guy because Although I think it's even darker for Shekinah than it was for Kalani. I think Kalani was looking for an out. I think Shekinah is a little darker. I think for Shekinah, and I've said this in the first part, was that she is looking for something similar to the life she lived as an Amish person. Maybe. Or something similar to that. So I think it's a little darker. But Kalani's trying to get through to Shekinah in a way that maybe she's like, I'm, a, I'm in a similar situation. 
or was in a similar situation. She kind of says that, you know, picking, um, be living in this type of environment makes you pick, um, the wrong men. And then basically she kind of like, I feel like you're putting your issues onto me. No, she's trying to relate to you, bitch. Do you not have friends that are women who are also real? <laughs> like, that's what she's trying to do. She's trying to relate to you. And don't sit here and try to act like your friends who are women weren't trying to do the same thing that Kalani's doing in, in, in a sense. Your own friends told you, he's not good for you. So stop acting like this is news. Your family will fucking talk to you. Curious to know which friends you still have. Eventually, I feel like your daughter's going to say, fuck this shit, I'm done. Because even your daughter has more smarts than you. Like, it's, it's, um, insane. It's insane to me. So, I realize I haven't talked about the definitions yet, but don't worry. It's coming. (laughs) So, basically, someone, I can't remember who this is. Someone says this, but says, the point is, is that you point your finger at everyone else and not your fucking self, basically. And she says, no, I don't. Um, ma'am, wait a minute. Can't, I mean, can we roll the tape to like the 20 different times you've pointed your finger at everybody else? And as soon as anyone points a finger at you, you have a fucking problem. Bitch. Anyways, but she's like, um, I'm going to leave. So she gets up and she walks away. And again, it just kind of goes to show we are getting under your skin. Because if we weren't, if we weren't telling you the truth, you wouldn't get up and walk away. You fucking can't handle shit, yet you want to dish it. I'm going to say this loud and clear to kind of fuck you and sit the fuck off my screen. Thank you. I love Sarper. I don't mind seeing Sarper. I don't love Sarper. That's the wrong thing to say, but Sarper and his counting is kind of entertaining. But I, if that means I have to see her, I don't need to see him either. Bye. <laughs> Anyways, um, Danielle says, miss you. Danielle. And for the kill. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about Danielle too, um, when we get to her, cause I have a lot of mixed feelings <laughs> about everything. Um, so before we talk about Danielle and Johan, we go back on stage and we are getting ready to kind of talk about them, but I'll just like, wait a minute, I got something I need to say. These fucking do said I'm toxic. Andre, shut up. <laughs> and we're so, yeah, I think toxic was the word they used. And honestly, let's be real here. Surfer said it, not Shekinah. But nonetheless, Shekinah's like, oh, he doesn't understand the definition of manipulator. I think she said this here. I'm not gonna remember. But she, she did say it, but I can't remember if it was before or now. It's just a, like, I don't think he understands the definition of manipulator. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the definition of control freak and manipulator because we're real confused. Okay, so control freak, meaning 
is a person who feels an obsessive need to exercise control over themselves and others and to take command of any situation. Now, when it comes to my job, I'm a control freak, but I'm very well aware I am. And I try to sometimes relinquish that control. So that's the definition of control freak. Now, let's do the definition of manipulator. So we have two different definitions. Let's go to So number one, the first one, a person who controls or influences others in a clever or unsculpturous way, kind of like an exploiter is this is a similarity. Or number two, a person who handles or controls something skillfully. So it's kind of basically trying to say that the person is well fucking aware that they are manipulating for their, for their benefit. So everybody, do we think Sarper is a manipulator or a control freak? I vote manipulator. And everyone, do we think that Mary is a control freak or a manipulator? I'm going to say control freak ever using these terms because she needs to have control over herself and others, but I don't think she's trying to do this in a way to be cunning by any means. And then we're going to go to Andre for a minute. Do we think he's a control freak or a manipulator? Um, I will say he has toxic masculinity. Yes. When it comes to certain situations. But I do not think he is a manipulator or a control freak. I don't. I just don't. Anyway, that's your definition. That's your definitions with me. <laughs> Moving on. So let's talk about Danielle and Johan. We bring on this girl named Memory. Y'all, that is not her name. That is not her fucking name. Anyways, sounds like a porn star name. Anyways, Memory. So, Memory tells us how she started talking to Johan. He slid into her dims, and he was telling her to go to the DR. So, she was saying how her and some of her mom friends were going to be going. She just gets was going to be going on a trip. And she mentions like this to him. And he says, no, 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 come by yourself. I'll show you around. <laughs> Fuck's sakes. It's fucking guy. Anyway, he told her that he was going through a divorce. Um, and that she was going to be t- trying to take him for everything that he's worth. You feel fucking worth shit, sir. Anyways. Um, he, so when they ask him, Johan, do you remember her? He says, no, I don't remember her. Lord Jesus. He wants her to show, um, the receipts. Okay. She literally starts reading text messages on the screen of the different things that he says. So basically everything she just said, she actually read the messages um, that were said to, to her from him. And apparently 
here's what I want to say. And I pinpointed this because ladies, we all get this. He apparently asks her for a picture of herself. Ladies, when a man asks you for a picture of you, you know what their intention is. Now, I've been out of the game for a little while, but I remember being asked from all the men <laughs> to send to send them a picture of myself. You send them like a face, like a face picture, and then they'd be like, okay, show me the body picture. You know, we all know where this leads to. There is intention here. He has intention here to have something with her, right? As soon as we, and even the straight men on the stage are like, oh shit, he asked for a picture. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, he says he still doesn't remember her. He kind of wants her to show the, like, show the phone, like, show the, the messages. And Kalani's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change anything. She literally fucking read the messages. Shut the fuck up. Danielle says, you know what? I believe he doesn't remember. But I have a question for you, Johan. Is it because you have too many women to remember? And I, I think someone on the stage, whether it was Danielle or both Danielle and Tanya, I can't remember who, but they say like, bitches, can we stop with that? Now, bitches are only given to those people who fully fucking know he's in a, in a relationship or married or whatever the case may be. And that one woman who sent her messages on the show fucking knew, okay? She's a bitch. <laughs> My memory didn't know. And I'm sure a lot of these women didn't know. Most of them didn't know. So y'all bitches, her client, see her client's a different situation. <laughs> We'll get to her, but it's, stop using the term bitches for all of them. Just say women. It's not hard. Fuck. Anyways. So, yeah, she says, like, is it because there's just too many that you just don't remember? He then says, if she was important, I would remember her. That is the only true thing he says in this moment. I believe she wasn't important enough for him. I do believe that for many reasons. But this is also the only time he tells the truth because, sir, you continue to lie and lie and lie and lie your way through this. Except that was the only time you didn't lie. Let's continue. So now memory found out or how she found out, sorry, that he was um, actually married was basically when Danielle started adding all of the women, as we found out earlier. Um, and she kind of was like, oh, is this about, is this about Johan? And she basically at that point decided, I'm not going to continue talking to him because she doesn't talk to married men. Good for you. Um... Then Tim apologizes to Danielle for talking shit about her. Um, I'm going to finish what happens here. I do understand Tim here, but I'm going to finish what happens with all of this and give my two cents on Danielle at the end. Um, this whole situation at the end. Um, so 
Then we go back um, to the um, the Talon drama, where Johan basically says, um, here that he doesn't see her as a partner anymore, um, that he should respect anyways, and then um, we found out that he he um kind of the timeline kind of aligns with that but i'm confused by this because didn't the first the woman that we first found out about say that she started having sex with him like or started seeing him anyways like two years ago and they had barely been married two years ago <laughs> i'm very confused but anyways let's continue um then we start finding out about um this client of daniel's um that Johan kind of got involved with. He um apparently picked her up one um pick yeah, picked up the client in a van. Ew. And then um she yeah, anyways, I'm sorry. I'm very confused here. This is so much that happens. But yes, she he picked her up in this van. Um the the client. He says no um, it's not, it's not true. There's no proof. And Danielle says, honey, did you think I would say what any of these things without proof? My girl has the fucking email from the client telling her everything that happened. So basically she reads some of the email to us. Um, he basically wanted the client to, um, go like to like, she, okay. So he went to her tent. This is in the email, went to her tent, this client's tent, told her like, come with me, you know, come with, leave with me, um, to be alone. And I guess she did. Uh, and one thing kind of led to another. Um, full disclosure here, Danielle does believe something did happen physically. Danielle doesn't say why she thinks that. I don't know if it's, is it an email? She doesn't read that. I'm not sure, but she does believe like something physical did happen between them. Anyway, um, Danielle kind of knew there was something kind of going on and basically kind of confronts the client saying, can you please remove my husband's number out of your phone? It's making me very uncomfortable. And when the client goes back to Johan, which I don't fucking understand why she did that. Women, please. When a woman tells you to stop talking to her man, fucking stop talking to her man and end it. You don't need to go to him. There's nothing you need to say to him. Mm-mm, because the don't talk to my man started when I told you that. Not then you go to him and tell him. Anyways, so she, yeah, she goes and she tells him what Danielle said. He got mad because he's like, you're making her control you. Um, when it comes to you, sir, yeah. <laughs> Funny. Anyways, so like I said, Danielle is convinced that something physical did happen, some sort of physical relationship happened between them. Um, he, um, he says he never 
went, you know, with any of the women at the retreat. Ethan, like, says, like, I went there to help you, blah, blah, blah. And he says to her at this point, go to hell with your lies. And that, um, you know, you want me to be bad, I'll be bad to you. Sir, you've done it. You've done it. What are you talking about? Oh, you want to talk about toxic masculinity? Here it is. <laughs> the fuck? I mean, <laughs> narcissist is what it is. He thinks he can get away with the ship. It's like clear as a day. You cheated on her. Sorry. Anyway. So, um, then Armando starts telling him, you are playing the victim. Yes, he is 100%. And then, um, he, it says, I wasn't unfaithful, but I should have been unfaithful, is what Johan says. Again, there are certain things you can keep to yourself, and this is one of those things. If that's how you feel, fine. But you don't have to fucking tell her that. And Tim is so shocked at this point. He's like, that is still his wife, and that was his wife. Like, why would he say these things to her? Because he never gives shit about her, Tim. This is the thing. This man ha- was with her with the intention of moving to the States. So when that didn't happen, he didn't care anymore. This man never loved her. Never loved her. This man tattooed a dollar sign on his body. When the dollar sign is not something that is seen in the Dominican Republic. They have pesos. Hello, man never loved her, ever. So let me continue because I do have more thoughts to say about this whole thing. So she tells him he is mad because um, she outed him 100%. He doesn't care about anything else. He cares that his reputation has now tarnished. Um, he says that she is a manipulator. That is true. That is true. Let's continue. So, um, Sean must have asked him about, I don't know, a million times whether or not he did cheat on her. And every time he says no, he never did. Whatever. She says, I, um, intentionally kept the evidence of your cheating because everyone thinks that I'm the problem. So for in order for me, and this is where the issue is, but I mean, tell me one woman, if she didn't have the opportunity, would publicly out their person who cheated on them. I'm just saying. She says, the reason I kept this evidence is so that I would have been believed. Because otherwise, I probably wouldn't have been believed. And I'm going to go on on that. I'm going to elaborate on that in a minute. I just want to finish this up um, with them. So, But I, I wrote here, it's okay. No one believes him. Right? I'm going to say this, at least. I have seen, I'm not going to say where, but I have seen and heard people's say they don't believe her, that they don't believe he cheated on her. I want to ask why don't we believe this? Because is it because of her? 
because that she's now clouding your hatred for her is clouding your judgment. Two things can be the same. She can be a manipulator and a bitch, (laughs) but he can also be a cheater in the worst degree. I really do think so. And just because there's definitely this possibility that she has controlled his life and a lot of aspects doesn't mean that he doesn't have the capability to cheat on her. Come on. Really? I, 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 I had such a problem with that because I'm thinking, so Rita's not believing her because we don't like her? Because that's not enough. I said this before, and I'll say it again. I 110% believe Danielle got cheated on by him in the worst possible way. I believe it. Does that mean that I like her? Not, not a lot. Not necessarily. There are certain points where I'm like, yes, Danielle, but <laughs> am I excited to see her on my screen? No. I'm not. And I'll get to more, but it's just stop letting your hatred for a person or your dislike for a person cloud your judgment. Johan's been showing his ass since the last season they were in. So, um,. He wishes that he had all of the money in the world in order to divorce her. Fuck you. You don't get the power to divorce her. She should divorce you. You don't get that. I'm sorry, you just don't. Um, she says that she will be filing for divorce. Good for her. And they tell her, like the group, everyone on stage basically tells her, please stop talking to him. Stop being his friend. I understand the whole family situation. I went through that as well um, with my ex. I mean, I could have continued a friendship if I wanted with his sister because we were very close. But there were other situations that had nothing to do with him. But I don't talk to her anymore. But it is okay to let that go. I know it's hard. I get it. But the relationship has now ended. Say your goodbyes to his family if that's what you need to do. And be done with it. He doesn't deserve that power over you anymore. So before I finish this up, I'm going to talk about this and how I feel about it. I think I've made it very clear I believe her. Um, over him. Um, but here's what I'm also going to say. I, like I said, he's been showing his ass from the last season, but... I really, truly think he's been showing his ass from the very beginning, really. Testing shit and everything. Testing the boundaries and and whatnot. But I, I think, I don't think this will ever happen, but I think Danielle needs to learn a lesson here. Just like with Darcy, although she does marry Georgie, she was given a very valuable lesson. You gotta stop chasing after these young, 
European men and think that you're going to get a different result. You're not going to get a different result. No, she married Georgie. But anyways, same with Danielle. You've got to stop chasing after these young black men and think that you're going to get a different result. You're not. You're going to get the same fucking result every single fucking time. And I think Johan was the most painful, but valuable lesson into that. Now, do I think Danielle is going to change? No. Do you have the type? It's kind of hard to break that type. I get it. But nothing will change. You're going after young men thinking you're going to get a valuable relationship out of it, and you're not. These men, most of them, probably want to have kids. Probably want to go through that the easy way as well. Quote unquote, the easy way. And they're, they're no right off the bat. They're not going to have that with you. So I think you need to leave these young guys alone and find someone who is closer in age with you. Doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, she's early forties. She's young. She can find a young, vibrant black man who is in his 40s. Hello? I just elbow anybody? I think he's older than 40s, but damn. I'm just saying. You can find what you're looking for without potentially hurting yourself along the way. In so many ways, Danielle kind of did this to herself by picking him and expecting a different result. Now, I'm not saying she caused the cheating. That's on him. But you gotta kind of be your advocate from the very beginning and pick the right guy. Don't pick a guy who wants to give you lip service, who you think is going to be different. It's not going to happen. Um, that's what I'm going to say on her. I'm again, not saying that she's my favorite person. There is some shitty shit that happened, especially last season. So stupid. Maybe we could have avoided the whole Talon situation. Because again, Danielle, if you're listening, men don't like that shit. They just don't. I'm not saying it's okay, but they just don't like that shit. Um, but, you know, yeah, I don't like either of them. I hate him more. I think he's disgusting. Um, and yeah, but we will definitely see Danielle in the single life. Let's be real here. She'll be in the single life where this is not the last of her. Anyways, but that is the end of the tell-all. That's it. So we're going to get, you know, some thoughts and shit on these from everybody. So Brandon says, you know, but Mary, her controlling nature hasn't really stopped. Not great. Mary says that she doesn't tend to go to therapy. I don't know that I could if that actually does happen, if she will do that, I don't know, but we'll see. 
she kind of, she just leaves. She doesn't have to say she doesn't care. She's like, these people, I know these people hate me. I don't really care. Good, go, bye. Fuck you, bitch. Anyways, I, I hate her. I'm sorry. I just, I, mm-mm. She, mm-mm. Um, she says she doesn't give a shit about these people. Um, she doesn't care if they hate her, like I said. Um, and, uh, she, um, I think judges the women for crying because she kind of says like, you know, all of these women like were crying and I think they felt like I should cry. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Maybe you should cry once in a while. Maybe it'll make you a little more human. Fuck. Maybe she can't cry. Anyways. So Holly goes to talk to Danielle. This is kind of when they saw Shekinah just leave. No, I'm sorry. That was when she was talking to Kimberly. Anyways. Um, anyway, she goes out to Danielle and she says, you know, he just gaslit you. And it's very true. He definitely did. Um, Danielle leaves. She says, bye, New York. And she's gone. Holly then says that, you know, I did say I want to go back to South Africa. That was real. But like, I don't want to go back to South Africa, um, without like us being good because like we weren't talking for three weeks. So, 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 so you're going to backpedal. You literally told this man that you want to go back home to him. But then you're going to say you don't want to go back because you need to be good. He literally said you need to work on shit. Maybe, oh my God, maybe the best way to work on shit is to actually be in front of each other in the same fucking time zone and actually be able to have a conversation. Amazing. Jesus. Um, so, um, anyways, then I see, um, I don't know if anyone else got this, Holly walks outside in her fucking slippers. What the fuck? And it's raining. You try to tell you could put shoes on? Jesus fucking Christ. Anyways, she's gone. Oh yeah, the slippers were white too. She's gone. Let's move on. Um, bye Julio. I don't care. I'm not saying a fucking shit about him. He's gone. Hopefully forever. Moving on. Kenny and Armando are lovely. What more do I need to say? He says, he, we didn't actually hear from Armando. We heard from only Kenny. And he says, they, um, they definitely have some decisions that need to be made, but they are good. And then he goes outside and he says, rain means good luck. Then he's gone. He's, he's left us. Kimberly kind of, you know, talks about the whole Jenny situation and, how she made threats and thought that it was childish of her, which I don't disagree with, but I also don't like that you called her the see you next Tuesday. But anyways, um, yeah, so she, she said like it was childish. She's like, I'm, I'm not afraid of a fight. Okay. She said she loves TJ, but she, um, has to put herself first and she says that um, she will not be going back to India right now for at least four months. Does he know that? That's a long... I'm not saying she didn't have time with her family, but that's a long time. It's a really long time. Anyways, 
she doesn't know if she can count him and her future plans. He's your husband. Shouldn't he not be in your future? If you don't want to live in India, then talk to him about that. If he then decides he really truly has no intention of moving away from home, then you know what you gotta do. Stop wasting your time and his time. Just move on. Anyway, that is the end of the other way. That is the end of the season. Of course, you guys are getting this at least if, like three weeks after the fact, but I had a lot of fun with this season for the most part. Um, there were some things that drove me nuts. Um, but I, this was, this was a really good season, I will admit. And I, I hope they continue this, like these quick little hour bite size toe episodes I think they used to do before. Um, I really enjoyed it. People who I don't want to see ever again. Sarper and Jekina. <laughs> um, and Kimberly and DJ. But pretty sure we will probably see them again, honestly. Um, I don't know if I can see Brandon and Mary again either. I don't know if I can do that again. Obviously, Danielle and Johan are gone now. She's going to have a single life. Let's be real here. And, um, who else was, oh, Julio and Kirsten. I loved Kirsten, but she's not made for this. And I never want to see him again. So there's that. So I think that's basically it for the show. Um, yeah, that's it.